It's good to be home. Amen. Hey, y'all be praying for those guys. I forgot, we, we should have prayed for the youth retreat that all those guys are on. Good Lord, have mercy on them. Can you imagine going off and spending the whole weekend with a bunch of junior middle schools and high school kids? You need prayer. That's what I'm saying to you. All righty. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to share a little bit about my trip over to Korea. It was really good. Thank you, Lord, for that. Um, let me read this scripture. I'm going to, read, I'm going to share some scriptures. I'm, what I'm going to do is share, share some things the Lord showed me while I was there and just share a few testimonies. Is that cool? All right, Ephesians 1.19. Let's read Ephesians 1.19. Uh, this is part of the prayer that we've been praying, or hopefully you have been praying this prayer. Uh, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the eyes of our heart being open that we can know what is the hope of our calling, or the hope of His calling upon our life, uh, the glorious inheritance that we are to Him, and the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His mighty power. So those are really three important things that God really wants us all to experience and live with, and, li and let it al be alive in us. And so I wanted to talk about the power one because I've been praying this prayer for a long, well, actually a long time, ten years. This prayer has been a part of me. But God, for the, I really, when I was in Korea, I saw the power of God really for the first time in my life. I really saw, I saw His power. And it was like touching the hem of God's garment. Okay? And I saw that God's power is endless. I saw there is, there's nothing like His power. It's, it's unreal. I, I can't explain it to you. All I know is, you know, there's, that He has power for us, and He wants us to know that, that this power is available, and He wants to bring us into this power. Okay, how many people feel like they need power in their Christian life? All of us do. Well, this is, we're talking about, this is, I've never seen this power before. And, well, it's sort of humbling if you really see the power of God. It's really either going to do one or two things to you. It's going to either humble you and bring you down real low, or it's going to, you're going to get exalted in your mind and get electrocuted. So... You don't want the second. but um, So the Lord was showing me how to access His power. Okay? That's what He was doing. He was showing me how to access the power of God. And so He showed me a few things. So let me share those few things with you. Uh, I knew when I got there that there was a, this uh, extraordinary power on me. And the reason I knew it, the first thing I discovered was the manifestations of demons. Everywhere I was going, there was these demons manifesting. And uh, I wasn't really happy about that, honestly, because I was thinking, man, y'all got demons over here. Did y'all know y'all had demons? These people need some help. That's what I was telling the, the leaders there. Like, there was this, the first one I noticed was this girl. She was leading worship and started releasing the Holy Spirit. And she started having this demonic manifest, manifestation. So I said to the guy, don't you know? I said, hey, what's that deal on that girl there? Oh, uh, yeah, she's worship, you know, she's fixing to marry the worship leader. I said, well, she's got demons, man. Didn't you know that? She needs to get them fixed before she marries that guy. Or they're going to be messed up. He said, really? So that was really, everywhere I would go, there would be manifestations of demons. And so have you ever noticed in the Bible that in the Old Testament, there's not a whole lot of demonic outward man, uh, activity, right? I mean, they don't talk about demons much. Right? If you, I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but when you look at the Gospels, demons are everywhere in the Gospels. They're manifesting because 
they will manifest when they come into contact with real power. Now, I'm just going to tell you that right now. It wasn't just because the Koreans had demons more than we got demons. You know, it's just that the power of God was getting released, and it caused these demons to start acting up. And so that was going on the whole time. So I knew there was something going on that wasn't normal. I've seen demons manifest. I've had demons speak to me before. But like on this scale, uh-uh, no, sir. I didn't really care for it, honestly. So anyways, so that's just, I mean, we just saw the Lord do many miracles there, many miracles. We saw people healed of all kinds of crazy stuff without laying a hand on them, without touching them. The power of God would come on them. Just look at them in the power of God. I saw a woman, I believe, now the only way we could tell was get a doctor's report. I saw her, she was ate up with cancer. She had, had breast cancer in one breast. She had that breast removed. She had another breast that was full of cancer. She had had a kidney removed. She was pitiful, really. And went over and just saw, and I saw a demon of cancer come out of her. I saw it come out. I was long like, oh, I thought, she's healed. Just go to the doctor, and the little doctors will confirm that God has healed you of this wickedness that was eating her body alive. So there's a lot of awesome things like that. But here's what happened to me. The week before I went, um, the first thing, okay, let me just be organized, if I could be. I've got to hurry up. I've got 30 minutes. I'm going to be in trouble here. I'm going to fly. All right, the first thing is preparation, okay? This is what the Lord showed me. The, fir- the week before I went, I had the terrible week. This is what happened to me. I hurt my back for like the third time in my entire life I've had a hurt back. And I don't even know what I did to hurt. It was just killing me. I was in pain. So that kind of threw me off. Then it got worse. My 92-year-old mama fell and broke her hip, okay? That was about as bad as it gets, really, you know, your mama. And so I was having to deal with all that. And then I came home, and my battery died. I was stranded at the, at the Target parking lot. And, of course, the battery was no good. I had to buy another $110 battery, you know. Uh, and then the, Becky wanted me to cut the grass before I was going to go. So I cranked the lawnmower up. It starts making this weird noise, and it explodes. And, this, and I'm talking a, and I just put new blades on the lawnmower, a new battery on it, a new transmission belt. I had just spent three, two or three hundred bucks on a stupid lawnmower. I was so upset at that point. I had not had, I couldn't, I wasn't sleeping good. I couldn't, it's like, Lord, I don't have one minute to think about anything that I'm going to do in Korea. And I've got to preach two or three times a day for days on end. I don't have no time. And I'm mad. I get on the airport, go to the airport, get on the airplane, Robin. What's wrong with you? Oh, nothing, Robin. I just don't like flying. I was so frustrated. You know, that's the way I felt in my heart. I was just frustrated. Like, finally, we get on the international thing, which was nice business class. <laughs> that will never do that. Don't do that. If you're going to have to ride coach next time, do not do business class ever. You will be messed up. <laughs> I'm serious. It'll ruin you for life. They paid for it. I wouldn't be sitting there, I'll be honest with you. I'll be sitting back there crammed in like a sardine with everybody else. You know, hurting and pain. Anyways, on that business class, I was just saying, Lord, I just don't really understand. I'm not ready to do this. I can't do this. What in the world is going on? I'm just so frustrated, Lord. And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, Byron, your life has prepared you for this moment. Your life has prepared you for this moment. And immediately I remembered a story from 1981 of a surgeon who was called to the hospital one night at an emergency. A young boy had his arm severed in a farming accident. The little boy was probably five or six years old. And this surgeon was a believer, 
and he went to the hospital, and he went into his room, and he opened his anatomy books, was trying to get himself ready for this surgery, which was going to, in the, at, the, at that time, reattaching an arm or any body part was not a normal surgery. That was a, like high-tech microsurgery at that time, so it was not like your normal deal. And so he's preparing himself, and he, you know, looked at his books and got sort of got all the technical information out of him that he needed for that moment. He sat back to pray, and he was looking on the wall of his wall of his office there, and he's looking at all his degrees and all the pedigree that you know a doctor has and must have. Thank you, Lord, for doctors that have degrees. And the Lord spoke to him at that moment and said. All of that is for right now. All of that is for right now. And see, here's what it is. In your Christian life, you're going to come, everybody in this room, if you're a believer, there are going to be moments of time that there is going to be a moment in your life where God is saying everything up to now brought you to this place and your life will never be the same from this moment on. It's what the Bible calls a Kairos moment. It's in the Bible, I think in Luke 1, Mark 1, 15, it says from this time. That, mean, that word time there doesn't mean like time on the wall, on the clock, or watch, or calendar time. It meant a kairos. This was a moment in time. It was a designated moment that God had. And every Christian is going to have multiple times like that in their life. I don't think many. I've had three that I know of in my life. Okay? And so that's what God was saying. This, your life has brought you to this place, and everything behind you brought you to here. Okay, and from here on, things are going to be different for you on a personal level. Now, that's a good, and it's happened, the other two times it's happened to me, it's been absolutely true. Uh, And I understood that those times, the same kind of thing. I knew it was. So, So that's one thing that God is preparation. Everybody in here must understand this. God is preparing your life for the next thing. For the next place, that he, you're being prepared. Your whole life is a preparation. Your life is being prepared. Naturally, you're being prepared. Spiritually, you're being prepared. Whether you believe that or not, that's why you can't give up. That's why you can't lose heart. Jesus, the Bible says Jesus learned obedience from the things he suffered. They're talking about he went through stuff. He went through difficulties and trials for 30 years on this earth being prepared for that moment where he came up out of the water and the Holy Spirit came on him, and the Father said to everybody, including him, this is, the, this is it. He's the man. He is it. This is it. And his life changed from that moment. Okay? So you have the spiritual preparation, and you have the natural preparation. You have what God does in your life, and then you have this, these spiritual encounters that God wants everybody to have. He wants you to have an experience like Jesus. This is my beloved Son. He wants you to have a revelation of the Father. Those, that, all right, so Jesus had this revelation of the Father. He had an open heaven. The heavens were ripped open. He heard the Father speak. He saw, the dove came down and said on him. The Spirit of God came on him. And then it says, and can we look at Luke 4, 1? The next thing that happened to him after this encounter, it says, uh, uh, Luke 4, 1. She, that's, she's cheating. She's getting us ahead. She's living in the future. It says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He went out into the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit, and he faced the devil. And the devil tried to steal his identity. If you're the Son of God, jump. If you're the Son of God, command this. If you're this. So it was all about his identity there. And he stood his ground because our mother, Eve, did not stand her ground. She believed something else about herself that was wrong. She wouldn't stand her ground about who she was and about who God said she was. And so Jesus had that powerful encounter, and then he faced the devil. 
And then he went through that deal and, you know, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. The devil got tired of him. And the devil will get tired of you. Turn to uh, Luke 4, 13 and 14. Are y'all good? Y'all follow me so far? Because we need to get this. This is really good. Now, when the devil had any ever temptation, he was just tired of messing with Jesus. You know, he will get tired of messing with you if you will stand firm. It says, resist the devil and he'll flee. He, will, he can't live in your house forever. He will not mess with you forever. He gets bored and tired and goes find some other poor soul to mess with. And uh, turn it back to 13. It says, he departed and from him until an opportune time. He, he always comes back. You know, but there's going to come a day when he's not going to come back. But then it says, listen, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Note he went out full, but he came back in power. And you see, that's where God wants, and it says, news of him went out through all the surrounding region. In other words, nobody knew about Jesus. John the Baptist knew, a few people here, a few people there, but news spread about him. Why did news spread about him? Because Jesus, the power of God, was on him that he suddenly was going from being a son that's loved, being a normal acting guy, to being loved, to being filled with spirit, and to being power. He had power, and he began to do things. And power, things happen. He began to heal people. That's when all these demons began to start getting released in the Bible. And so that's really what God wants to do for all of us. He wants to. He's preparing you. Everybody in this room, you're being prepared. Don't give up. Don't quit. Even though you're going through terrible things in your life, you can't give up. And then, and, and then there's a the spiritual preparation. You've got to keep receiving these downloads from heaven, these encounters with the Lord. They're getting you to a point. And you will have these moments where God speaks to you. You see, it was all the Lord. He didn't want me to be prepared. He wouldn't give me a moment to think about anything spiritual that week. You see, I'm praying for my mama, praying for a lawnmower. You know, <laughs> praying, what am I going to do, Lord? Well, uh, that's the first one, uh, is your Kairos moment. Okay, number two is expectations. You've got to learn how to deal with expectations. That's, this is really important. Um, this is what happened to me two years ago. I was at Morningstar, and the person who I was going to speak down there, and the person who was introducing me just loved me too much. Okay, and just went on and gave such a great report about me. Okay, he just took the greatest highlights of my life and told her about it, and I was sitting there thinking, oh, no, this is not good. I cannot live up to those expectations. <laughs> I had this dread on me. I thought, I just can't do this. And by the grace of God, the Lord helped me, though. He had mercy on me and helped me to disconnect from my phones at that moment. Well, this is what happened to me in Korea. I went to this meeting, and this, the guy said, Byron, everybody has heard about what God is doing. They, I have never been in a, in a room with so much expectations. That's what they said to me. And you know what I said? Awesome! God is going to do something! God is going to do something. And you know why I said that? Because I realized this. I got this revelation. I got this revelation about God and about me. And about God using me that I never really had. It's that verse there. It's 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Can you put that up? See, God wants to get us... He wants us to understand something. When you go to the jewelry shop... You go and look at those beautiful diamonds they got set on that black velvet background to make those diamonds shine even more and make you want to buy them. They, they're really wise about how they do jewelry, okay? Well, God does it opposite. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, okay? See, I got this revelation about the earthen vessel, okay? 
That's what I got a revelation about. I got a revelation about me and about God's power. I've never had a revelation about me and God's power like that. Suddenly I realized I'm nothing. I'm just a backdrop. I'm just, I just happen to be a vessel. But I'm not like that black velvet vessel. In fact, I'm anything like but black velvet. I am this guy. I can barely talk. I can barely put three sentences together in English. I can barely do any of this. I'm, I'm the least one. Why has God sent me all the way to Korea to talk to people? Why would God do that? I am a hick. I am a loser. I am nobody. I've never... Why are you sending me to talk? I actually went and talked to people getting their doctorate in theology. I've never even took one class in Bible in my entire life. I went to school to be an engineer. I didn't go to school to be a preacher. And I realize when God uses a person, it's the power, it's the excellence of the power in you. It's not you. It's just you having to be a vessel. You having to be a backdrop for God. Now, I will say this. God uses people. He has submitted Himself to work in the world like that. Right? He wants to use everybody. But that's not the, the point. It's Him. It's, I don't really think I'm getting that through to you because I've read that Scripture 9,000 times in my Christian life. I've believed that Scripture. But I believe it a lot different now than I ever believed it. Like I say, you're either going to become what you... That, if, when you start really experiencing the real power, it's going to, it's, you're going to get full of pride, which you're doomed, or you're going to get so humbled by it, okay? You're going to get so humbled by it that you can't stand it. And that's what it did. It, made me, it humbled me. It made me like, Lord... You know, I just, I'm, it's not, I didn't go into that, oh, I don't deserve this and all that hogwash. I'm a son. I, the Father gives the sons what He wants. I don't do the I don't deserve thing. I'm pretty set on that. But I realize something. I'm not, this is something you don't play with. This is something you don't mess with. This is something where you have to really have a clear understanding about. When God moves in power, you really understand this. It's God moving in power. It's God doing that. It's not about you. It's about God's care and love and desire to help people and touch people and change people's lives. It has very little to do with you. You just happen to be the vessel, but everybody in this room is a vessel. He can, he's got plenty of vessels. He's got plenty of vessels to choose from. It's not like you're a special vessel. They're all vessels. Anybody's a vessel. We all can be his vessel. It doesn't take anybody special. If God decides to do it now, it takes a person who's being prepared, though. Okay? It really does. Because we don't let nine-year-olds change electrical sockets, right? We let people who have been prepared to deal with electricity. Electricity's power. We got people over there. Uh, that's why I knew those people were lying over there in Japan about those nuclear reactors. The first day I heard about it, I thought, uh, that's not right. There's something going on over there they're not telling us about. Because what's happening is not what they're saying. And they were giving these little hints. Well, I just happen to know something about how nuclear power plants work. That's, when they had that explosion, I thought, of course, it's supposed to explode. It's designed to explode. That's protecting everything. People don't realize that. They're thinking, oh, this is terrible, this is terrible. The terrible thing is we weren't telling the truth. You know, the thing was falling apart, and they weren't really, they were, you know. But there's people there that do understand that, and they knew, know how to deal with those things. And see, God is looking for people that He can prepare so that when the expectations come, you don't feel this load on you. I'm not loaded on expectations. Expectations mean nothing to me now. This is all I'm expecting. I'm expecting God to move, you know. And if God don't move, you know what? That's but I, I'm not, you know, I'm the earthen vessel. 
And I think when we start getting that revelation, not that understanding with our mind, but that revelation that the, the, the what he said, the excellence is, a, is a, the power is of God, not of us. It's, I'm telling you, it's real good. Yes, thank you, Jesus. That was a great day. And the Lord moved so powerfully in that room that day, you would not believe what God did. It, it was unreal. I couldn't believe I was up there releasing the power of God like that. I was thinking, am I kidding? Is this kidding? Am I in a dream? God is doing all this and I'm here doing this? I just can't believe it. It was, it was really like that. It was like I'm living a dream. You know? It, but it was because of God. And I just happened to get in on it. Are y'all good? All right, number three. Okay, this is really important. Uh, Matthew thirteen fifty eight. I'm going fast. Matthew thirteen fifty eight. Whew. It's hot. It's, uh, this is a... All right, so here's my little thing here. Friday night, they said, okay, we're going over here to this church, and uh, we've got this meeting at this church. I said, what kind of church are you in? Oh, this is a Holy Ghost church, Byron. I said, what kind of meeting is this? This is a Holy Ghost meeting. Okay, I think, oh, yeah, I can do Holy Ghost meetings now. Okay, I'm in. Good. I'm so excited about this Holy Ghost meeting. Okay? So I get to the church... And they, man, they were ready. They had all the room. They had the room cleared of chairs. They were really fixing to go after it hard in there, okay? And the pastor even had this dream the night before. And she said, in the dream, uh, listen, I'm really, I have a lot of expectations. That's what she said. <laughs> I have expectations because I had a dream last night. And God the Father came to this church and spoke to us. That was I thought, well, that's cool. I better be free of expectations on <laughs> something like that. But I wasn't worried because here's what happened. I was so exhausted that I got up that morning. I had just a little bit of time to get ready for that day. And I, so I came up with like two. I had to preach, and I got my messages all ready. And I got ready to, you know, did a pre. Here's, here's the way the day went. You get up, you go, and you preach for an hour at least. Then you pray for people for two hours. Now, you know, it's, I'm telling you, that's the power of God when I can pray for somebody for two minutes. I'm serious. I pray for people for hours on end. I mean, hours on end. I'm, one time, three hours I pray for them. Then, after you finish praying in the meeting, you go back, they take you back to this room, okay? And you sit down, and then they bring these people in. And first I thought, well, I wonder why are these people coming in here? And then I realized, well, we, we need you to pray for them. They have these special needs. and they, So you're going to spend 15 or 20 or 30 more minutes praying for these people. Then it's, okay, it's time to go eat, okay? And this pastor is taking you to eat, which means he wants to talk to you. He wants to pick your brain. He wants you to tell him stuff. So you go eat, and then you've got 30 minutes, and you get to do the whole thing again. <laughs> so I forgot what I was going to preach at that church. I couldn't remember it. And I had written it down somewhere. I couldn't even remember where I wrote it. And I was thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do, Lord. I'm just so tired. i tell you what. I'm going to preach on Luke 15. I know Luke 15. I don't even have to think about Luke 15. I'm going to preach, and I'm going to talk to them about the elder brother for whatever reason. So I go in there and preach this message. And it was hard in there. This is the Holy Ghost Church. It was the Holy Ghost Church. It's hard. You know, I'm saying, well, at best, this is a good anointed teaching because it did have a good juice on it. But you could tell it, the power wasn't getting released in the room. And I was like, why everywhere else the Lord moved so powerfully? And 
Then I prayed for some people, laid hands on them, but God did release power on the individual. But I was just confused. And then the pastor gets up and says, that dream I had last night where the Father came, the message he preached is what he preached. Is what he preached. Now, you know the reason I forgot, I'm blaming it on God. <laughs> Actually, I was so tired, I don't know how I remembered anything. Literally, I couldn't put one thought in front of the other. It was like I was, I was beyond tired. I was delirious tired. You know, but somehow God would just give you energy to do what you need to do. And then, what? Somebody wrote this thing that says, you know, when God, when God really feels like he can use you, he'll wear you out. Somebody sent me that over there because I was complaining. Like, I'm wore out, man. I'm beat to death. God is just driving me into the ground. These people, there's no end to their hunger over here. They can beat me. There's no end. I prayed for one time, and the line never got shorter. It just kept going. I said, when is the line going to get shorter? Where they? they were calling their friends. And their friends were driving over there to get prayer. And I was weeping on the inside. And they, had a, they said, uh... They, cut, they stopped me and listened. They said, you need to go eat. And I was at first wanting to say, oh, yeah, thank you, Jesus, I'm being rescued. I said, who am I eating with? Well, nobody. They're just going to take you. But then you'll have a meeting with these big wheels after eating. I heard myself saying, no, I don't want to eat. There's still too many people here to pray for. I can just go to the meeting. I'll get a snack later. That was the Lord. Because <laughs> I, I wanted to stay there and pray. But the Lord said to me, Byron, the reason was that Holy Ghost Church is doubt. And I felt like, Lord, is my church full of doubt? Is that the way we are? Because the Holy Spirit will not move in an atmosphere of unbelief. The Holy Spirit is attracted to what's like Him. Like attracts like in the spiritual world. The Holy Spirit is attracted to faith, the people who believe. And for whatever reason, and that's and here's what the reason was. I understood it later when I talked to him about the elder brother because every time I would read something about the elder brother, I'd want to bust out crying in the message. That's the way it felt. And I just wanted to weep. And here's what it was. Son, everything that I have is yours. When the elder brother said to the father, You've never done this for me. And you've done it for that lousy brother of mine. And I have slaved for you. And I realized that church, they're in unbelief because they don't believe that one thing. And they're out there trying to earn something from God. They're trying to get God to be pleased with them. When He's already says they don't believe that He's already pleased. And everything He has is theirs. And because they don't believe it, they can't get it. Because they're working so hard for God. Those mighty spiritual people. And I'm not trying to be down on them. I was, it was worrying me. I was like, oh, man, I don't want to be like that. Oh, Lord, is that way we are at home? And because here's what really hit me is the next church I went to was a Presbyterian church. I'm talking formal Presbyterian church. I'm talking about people in suits and ties, okay, and women in really nice dresses and pretty shoes. <laughs> I like shoes. <laughs> Okay, and this is really cool. I wanted to tell you this one thing: is the way that church was set up. It was it was like like this. Like it had four or five call, uh, you know rows, and but they were real long. You couldn't even make out people's faces. It was so long. It was huge. But the men all sat in one section, and the women in the other section. 
And it, which I don't know, I guess that's some cultural thing, I don't know. It didn't bother me because when I looked and saw all those men in those dark suits and those ties and white shirts, it looked really impressive to me. I thought, this is beautiful. In fact, I was going to take a picture of it with my iPhone. But I just got distracted looking at it. It was so beautiful to me. Like, this is beautiful. And the women, they were beautiful, all dressed up in church. Well, that's just looks. But here's what happened in that formal Presbyterian church. See, I had this thing. I'm going to trick those people because I had a dream one time where the Lord spoke to me in a dream on how to minister in a formal church. Okay? He gave me this message in this church. I had this dream. So I knew I, I'm going to use it on them. I know I'm going to trick them people. Well, I get up there, and I get ready to do that message, and I open my mouth, and these other words start coming out of my mouth. And I thought, well, I'm just going to go with what's coming out of my mouth. Obviously, I should forget that message. I'm switching into another gear here and doing this. You know? And I have felt this draw on me that was incredible. Those people pulled and pulled and pulled and pulled on me. They were so hungry for the Lord. They were the most hungry people I've been around. And here I thought, Lord, here's these, these Holy Ghost people over here. And here are these formal, normal Presbyterians. And their hunger is humiliating me. They tricked me. Because they had such a hunger for God. Now in the back, you could tell it was mixed up because of the young people back there. And I had an altar call. And let me tell you what people did at that altar call. People wept waiting for me to pray for them. They were weeping. They were weeping. Because God was speaking to people. I had words for everybody. I told the guy, I said, uh, I got a word. I'm gonna, I said, I got a spirit of prophecy on me right now. I don't know how I knew that. I don't even know why I said it, to be honest with you. Because I realized, oh no, I got to prophesy over everybody. everybody I touched, God would speak to them. And these people were weeping. They were weeping. And I prayed for two and a half hours, and I, pray, I prophesied over every person in the room. And they had their iPhones out. These people were really cool. They're in the technology in Korea. Okay, and they had their iPhones out recording it. Okay. It, it was awesome. It was an awesome time. Of course, I was, you thought about being delirious at that point. I don't even know what I was saying. This is what the pastor said to me. Byron, he said, I don't know what to say. That's what he said. I'm dumbfounded at this. I've never seen anything like this. Now, that wasn't me. I can't pray for people like that. I can't prophesy over people like that. I can't do any of that. I mean, I can maybe one or two people. You know, people want me to pray for them, you know, here, and like, I'm the last person you want to pray for. I said, man, y'all need to, we need to get our ministry team over here. Y'all would love them. You think I can pray? They run circles around me. You could have a heyday. In the prophetic ministry, you could have a heyday over there. There is an endless supply of people hungry for God in that place. I mean an endless supply. But it made me realize something. It made me realize we're in great danger. We are. Because there may come a day when there'll be a move of God, and it may show up at First Presbyterian Church that we think is dead and formal. And we're the Holy Ghost ones. We're the ones who follow the fire. And they may be the ones who get the fire. And I think we have to really be careful about this. I'm, I'm telling you, I think we have to be really careful. I mean, I mean that's the way it made me. It, 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 you know, I was very humbled by that experience, very humbled. It made me realize, Lord, I, think, I feel like I'm in danger. That's the way I feel. I'm in danger spiritually. I'm in danger of thinking I have something when I really don't. 
I'm in danger of thinking our church can be a revival place when it may not be because we are stuffed and we think we have something that we don't have. And we've lost our hunger. We've lost our humility. We've lost our ability to be teachable. And it takes such a big thing where church has to be some kind of event for people to really draw on God. And it really creates an atmosphere of unbelief in the people. That's what it does. And I believe that's what happened at church. And I'm going to tell you that pastor was a sweet person that, of that, what I call the unbelieving believing church. They were unbelieving believers. She was a sweet gal. She was hungry for God. She, she wanted me to give her a word later. Come specially to see me. Will you please pray for me and give me a word? Because I need something from the Lord. And I'll just, I'm just telling you all, this is, this is really, we've, we've really got to pay attention to ourselves. Okay? We need a hunger from God. Just because God did something doesn't mean He's going to do something in our lives. We've we got to stay low. We've got we to gotta lower our minds. We've got to get back into a place where we let God move and we believe God. We don't have this attitude. They're, this is what I saw in those people. Their heart was bigger than their mind. And they had a good mind, especially the ones at the seminary because they were doing the doctoral thing. But the Holy Spirit, they were hungry. They were more, the, the seminary students, the doctoral candidates, their hearts were bigger than their minds. And those were very brilliant people. Those were pastors with multiple thousand member churches that I was preaching to. And I was telling them how to be a good pastor and how to be a good leader. I'm thinking, I'm telling them that? How can I be telling them that, Lord? Are you kidding me, Lord? If they knew about me, they would laugh me out of here. But the Lord was touching them is what it was. It's about time to stop, isn't it? Let me see if I got anything else I want to say. This is so much. Oh, this is the biggest, the big thing, okay? This is what the Lord told me. He said, I'm going to show you how to minister in power. I'm going to give you the key to ministering in power. Do you want to really minister in power? I said, oh, yes, Lord, give me the key. He said, here's, how, here's the key. It's number one, you always keep Jesus Christ central in everything you do. That's number one. And number two is worship. And he, what, you know what? That was the one thing I couldn't get in that. Holy Ghost Church, I couldn't get them to worship when it came to the ministry. I said, we just need to worship the Lord a little bit. They just sat there. And you know what they were doing? Looking at me like I'm going to give them something. And I said, no, we need to worship the Lord. Come on, y'all. Let's worship a little bit and let's see, let the Holy Spirit just start coming in. He'll come in on worship. And they never would worship, so He never came in. But I'm telling you, the people were sincere. You put your hands on them, you felt the Lord just come on them individually. So you can be in a place of unbelief that doesn't mean you're in unbelief. You're just operating under a cloud. But I think all American churches are under the cloud of unbelief, or pretty much all of them, because that's what's in our nation is unbelief, because we're in, too intellectual and too smart, and we've gotten away from really simple faith in what the Lord has. And God wants to break that thing off in us. So it's time to go, but um, the other thing was, so here's, what, here's, here's the thing. So here's what we've been doing. Okay, Becky and I say we. Is in our personal life because I'm not talking about just Holy Ghost releasing the Holy Ghost power and the power of ministry and meetings because, uh, you know, most of my life is not in a meeting except for that week it was all in a meeting. <laughs> but most of my life, like your life, is in daily mundane things. You know, just the normal chores of life, just the normal things of life that we all have to do. Every mama has to take care of the baby. Every husband has to earn an income and provide for the home. Somebody's got to wash your clothes. I mean, I wish I could get somebody to wash mine. <laughs> no, I do. I wash my own clothes. <laughs> she quit washing my clothes. 
In fact, when I slip them in on her laundry, she gets mad at me. Like, why did you put those in there? When the kids left, I was on my own when it came to washing clothes. It was terrible. <laughs> Anyways, all of us had to do that. So, so here's what we've been doing. And this, this, I'm telling you, this is a key. Is we are worshiping the Lord in our life. Okay? You know, you have thoughts. You have a thought about something, about the Lord, about something. Instead of just having a thought, you stop at that moment and begin to worship and just say something like, Lord, you're so good. I love you. Thank you so much for helping me. You're just a good God. I worship you. Let anything, let anything be a cue to you. Like I was just sitting in my house yesterday looking out the window, and I was looking at this cherry blossom tree full of blossom, and there's a gentle breeze blowing, and there's a pine trees. I thought, oh, Lord, there you are, inviting me into the heavenly realm. You're so good, Lord. I worship you. I see you in nature. I see you. You're inviting me into the invisible world because you're so good. Well, Becky shared something with me. She said, what we need to do is add prayer to that, okay, because prayer keeps you connected to the spiritual realm. She read a scripture to me. Amplified by where it talks that prayer keeps you. So, oh Lord, you're so good. I worship you. I bless you. And Lord, I just pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Lord, I, I pray for Sarah Bollinger that she'd be healed this week, Lord. Lord, I, I pray for those people in Japan. I just thank you, Lord. And just move on. And see, so if I'm in public, like in, in a, like in a bank, you can't do that in a bank. You can't just start thanking Jesus in the bank. That wouldn't be necessarily the right thing. Some people would. I personally wouldn't do it. I mean, I just. But this is what I do. This thought comes out. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Mm, Lord, you're so good. Now, I may, may say it in a whisper. I may just say it in my mind. But I, it, my mind, it connects my mind to the spiritual realm. Well, that was the Tar Heels. Anyway, <laughs> that was the score. Anybody interested? <laughs> That's only halftime. <laughs> yeah. You see what I'm saying? You see, that's what, and, and see, and when you do that, and then you add that prayer to it, something, something starts changing your life. Uh, when you feel tempted, anybody feel tempted about doing some bad things besides me? Like bad thoughts? I'm not talking about dirty thoughts. Oh, come on. I know you boys. I know y'all. You, I was telling somebody, they were talking about their daughter growing up, and I said, yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, this is the truth about every man on the planet. They think bad thoughts. And I was really defend I was really a protector over my daughter because I was a man. I know what they're thinking. So I always put the threat down on the boys. But so you have a bad thought. Maybe a hateful thought, a bitter thought, an anxious thought, a depressed thought. Whatever it is, if you will instead of going there in your mind, it start praising the Lord. Okay, and you know who's bringing those thoughts to you? The devil's bringing them. I mean, he will get tired of hearing you praise the Lord because he hates that because the Bible says God inhabits praise. And he will get tired of hearing you praying for Jerusalem or praying for your friend or praying for the peace on the American God. He just don't. And so he'll, he'll like, I'm leaving them alone because they're going to pray. I'm going to leave them alone because they're going to worship. So that helps you with that, but it also releases the atmosphere of heaven to you. And it releases you because the Bible says there's a woman, the Syrophoenician woman, and she came to the Lord and she said, it's, the Bible says this. Can you put that scripture, that last one up? This is what it says. It says this in the Bible. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. She, the, the Bible considers our cries to the Lord for help. It's worship. It's like an incense. Oh, yeah. 
The Lord loves to hear that. Are y'all getting this? And so when we begin to put this in our lives, I'm talking about in your daily, as you walk through your life, and some days I will do it more than others. You know, some days it's just like your, your brain's blank, you don't think anything. You know, you're just lucky to have a breath. <laughs> That's the way you feel. Like, what happened to the day, man? Uh, this is what happened to me this week. I know it's time. I said, Becky, I don't even remember what I did this week. What did I do this week? I, I was so <laughs> jet laggy. Like, I don't even remember what I did this week. What did I do yesterday? Who have I talked to? Who have I sent emails to? I probably said them something I shouldn't have said. <laughs> you know? <laughs> jet lag will mess your mind up. But, so, if you really want to see the Lord move in your life in power, I think worship is really, really the key. And listen, I want to get off this church something. I'm, I'm telling you, I want to get something off of us. We do not have to come to church and have a, an event. I'm not for that. I'm against that. I'm okay. I don't want the people, I don't want the worship team to feel like they're pressured into anything. I don't want nobody to feel like they've got to perform to do anything. I don't want people to feel like they've got to do anything. I want people just to be able to believe and receive and I want an atmosphere of faith where we can just receive from God. And it doesn't matter if God is whispering that day. If He is whispering on the floor, I want to get on the floor with Him and whisper with Him. Or if He's screaming at the top of His lungs, I want to get up and scream at the top of His lungs. I just want to have that. And I want to take the yoke off in people that feel like they've got to do something. If you could just, just ask the Lord to give you that heart of worship. Lord, just... Like that woman, she had nothing. She was begging God to heal her child. And it said that she was worshiping. Sometimes that's all we've got is worship. Lord, help me. Help me. And God is looking at you saying, I love that worship because I'm going to help that person. And I, do y'all catch what I'm saying? Because the truth is, I really believe the revival's coming. And I want to be a part of it. I don't want to be stuck in unbelief. And God shows up. I'm like, why didn't you show up at our church, Lord? Well, y'all are full of unbelief. I would have loved to show up at your church, actually. <laughs> you know? But since I couldn't because of the... Or I wouldn't. It didn't say couldn't. It just wouldn't. Since you wouldn't, I just went on and did something else. All right, last thing, now I'll let you go. Are, are y'all good? All right. Two or three years ago, maybe four years ago, I had this dream. I've had lots of dreams, as you well know. That's one of the ways that God speaks to me. But this dream was a very intense dream. In this dream, the United States, there was anarchy in the streets. And there was fires, and there was difficulties. And I was with some people from this church in a car. Uh, the only person I recognized was Ann Murdoch. Murdoch. And Ann Murdoch was a little older than Ann Murdoch is today, so I don't know when this could be in the future. I don't believe it has to happen, at least all of it. But Ann Murdoch had the glory of the Lord on her. The visible, tangible glory of God was on Ann Murdoch. She was changed because of the glory. It had been because the glory had come and she had been in it. Okay? And that's what we got, that's what God wants to do. But the problem was, there was terrible things going on around us. And we almost got killed on the road. Uh, but we came to this place, and I saw these people, these figures, that looked, in my mind, like they, they were de demons, and they were causing this anarchy. I knew they were the source of it. And I thought they looked like these ninja characters. I thought, these are like, like ninja people, 
demons. <laughs> That's what they look like. Okay? And I knew this is the source. And then the dream ended. Well, the Monday morning, and you know, we got there on a Sunday night. Monday morning, we were, Robin and I, the, the Korean guy, we were walking to the restaurant. And I'm walking out, and all of a sudden, I see this person. I see one of those, I thought it was a vision I was seeing. I thought those, those demons are here. They were dre- it was dressed just like in the dream. And, but I realized it's not a demon. It's a, it's a human being. It's a person, and they were walking right towards us. Okay? And it was like, oh, I was like, gosh. And, you know, the guy was acting normal, and I was like, you know, kind of getting like a little nervous about this person walking towards me. And, we're all, and, and this is what it was. It was, a, it was a woman. She was a fundamentalist Muslim woman. And the outfit that she had on, all you could see was her eyes. And it was black and it was decorative. I guess she'd been to some kind of meeting. Okay? It wasn't ninjas. It was a spirit. It was a, it was a bad spirit that, that is releasing the earth today, right now. This spirit that I saw, I saw it. I saw it in Korea on this woman. It was a spirit of hate. It was a spirit of bitterness. I have never been hated so bad by a person in my entire life. I felt this hate coming at me from her. She would not look at me. Little children looking at me full of fear in their eyes like I was the devil. That's how they were looking at me, like, there's the devil. Stay away from the devil. Little kids, little innocent little children. Okay? And that's what the enemy wants to do to America. He wants to bring that spirit in America and destroy this nation. And I don't believe that's what the Father's heart is. For, for we have a call on our nation to preach the gospel to the world. That's why we've got to go to the world. We're supposed to do that. People say, well, you're spending a lot of money to go. Well, that's what we got the money for, is to go. That's what the United States was set apart for, was for the gospel and the preaching of the gospel in the world. That was the first prayer of this nation at Jamestown. That's what the God did. So we have to fulfill that commitment. Otherwise, I believe that anarchy will come. That's really encouraging, isn't it? But the thing was the glory. You see, I think God, you know, deep darkness will cover the earth, but the glory of the Lord will rise upon you. See, that's the good news in all this. I saw the glory on Anne. I hope it was on me. Okay? And the Lord did protect us in the dream. We almost were killed a couple of times. And it was like God just supernaturally got us out of the mess. And so that's what God wants to do is He wants to bring His glory to us, to the people of God, to the children of God, to the family of God. He wants to release His glory. Okay, I believe that with all my heart. But I, don't, I think what we've got to do is we've got, I think we, honestly, I think this is the way I feel about our church. We need to humble ourselves. We, we've got to humble ourselves and ask the Lord to have mercy on us and say, Lord, all that you've done has been awesome, but that does not mean nothing, Lord, at this point. All that we need is we need you, Jesus. And we want to make Jesus the central thing. Am I making sense? I'm not trying to say anything bad. I love this church, but I want to see this church come into what God has for it. And I guess what I felt is that's not an automatic. That's not automatic. This is what's going to happen if you and I can get hungry again for the Lord. I mean, get really hungry. If we'll get hungry, if we'll get low, then the Lord will, you know, He'll he'll respond to that. But if we are full and we come into the church and we're looking for some preacher which I know you don't look at that for me, or we're looking for the worship team, somebody to do something for us. I don't think that's right. I think we need to see Jesus Christ. 
And we need to keep Him the focus. And we need to pull on Him and grab the Him of His garment. Because when you do, you're going to be touching the power. Amen? Is that good? The end. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Do you want to say something, John? Come on. He's been eating at me all morning. Uh, yesterday I was driving over by Dean's house, so your residue is still there. And it's just a little word came on the radio. I got a new radio that I don't even know where it came from. But anyway, it said, little faith, when you have little faith, your soul goes to heaven. And when you have great faith, heaven comes to your soul. So, and that was just that's all over this. You know what great faith is? It's Galatians 2.20, the faith of the Son of God. It's God releasing His faith. Let's ask the Lord to do that. Let's ask Him, Lord, we want Your faith this morning. And we want to be little in our own minds. We want to see ourselves right. We want to humble ourselves right now, Lord, to You. The Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you. We don't want to live in due time. We, that's, and we don't want to lift ourselves up. And we, we don't want to think that we're the spiritual ones. That we, Lord, we don't want to do that. We're sorry if we thought that. Lord, we want to stay hungry. We want to stay desirous of you. We want to, uh, we want to just, we want to just stop, Lord, looking at the outward and begin to look at you in a fresh way, Lord. Lord, we don't want to program even our so-called spirit-filled program. We want heaven's program, Lord. Lord, we just ask you to release that in this church today on every person. Holy Spirit, just come and just, mm, wow. Thank you, Lord. Just take a moment, if you can. If you have to get up and leave, it's okay. I know you're way over time in here, but I want to tell you this. This is what I just saw. I saw a book, okay? And the book is the page was turning on the book. I believe that was the hand of the Lord, and I believe that book is us. I believe he's turning the page, okay? And it's a new time. It's a new chapter, Okay, and I also see that for this church, but I see it for individuals also. Okay, it's like God is saying, look, it's just time to turn the page in your mind. You, you know, I've got something. I've got fresh things. I've got new things. i got just, there's new stuff. Okay, but here's the thing about that book. The pages are blank that he's turning to. Those, we have, those pages have to be written, you know, with us incorporating. God has, has them written in his heart. He wants to release the writing to those pages through us. We get to participate in this. So I really see that really strongly right now over this church and over individuals in this church. It's just a new time and it's a, it's a time to come into this new chapter in your life. Father, we ask you to do that. Let that page turn. Just, just turn the page. Just turn it, Lord. We just thank you for the new page, the new day, Lord, and new things that you're going to do. We're going to go and be like a little child again. And it says, because the little children can receive. Theirs is the kingdom. Jesus said, you've got to become like a little child to enter. And I believe when we enter into something new in the spirit world, it's, it's, it takes a, a child-likeness to do that. So, Lord, we just ask you for that today, that we would be childlike in our heart, Lord. Mm, thank you, Lord. Also, another thing that I saw, that I'm seeing again, I saw this in the first service, I see a well that's... All of a sudden, it's like a well that's gotten deeper and it's gotten like a bigger amount of water. It's like it's tapped into a greater source of water and it's just coming up. You know how how a well, like a geyser kind of thing, but it wasn't spraying up. It was just a huge amount. It was just coming up. It was rising. 
And I see that being, you know, out of your belly will flow rivers, okay? I just see this like people are going to tap into greater sources in, them, in themselves. Are y'all seeing what I'm saying there? Does that make sense? Lord, Just I just see that for certain people in this room, but I believe it's for all of us. Just release that right now, Lord. Out of your belly shall flow rivers. I mean, there's a lot of water God wants to release. That's a lot of the Spirit. That's a lot of the Holy Spirit. A deeper, you know, connection with the Holy Spirit. There's just more that God has. And that water was really clear and fresh and re- such a renewing thing I'm seeing over people today. In Jesus' name, Lord, we just say that. And I just want to just do this. I feel this is I feel like the Lord wants to break uh, mental illness over people. People get sick in their minds. Mental illness is not a shame, okay? I can, be, I can have a stomachache. I'm not ashamed of having a stomachache. Well, mental illness is much like that, except it's much more devastating. Father, right now, we just come against every form of mental illness. Depression, wrong thing, just all that. Uh, bipolar disorders, schizophrenic disorders, all those sicknesses the enemy wants to destroy people with. Some of it's demonic. All of it's demonic in one sense, but some of it's actually a biological chemical thing. Oh, thank you, Lord. I pray for a young man over there who was a manic depression, manic depressive, and he was so messed up. He was so tore up, his countenance. And I took him into a room and I prayed for him. And God began to touch his mind. And I saw that boy's countenance completely change. Before my eyes, I saw this peace come on him. I saw this healing come on him. And I talked to his daddy the next day. I said, how is that boy? And he said, he's in his right mind. That was the Lord. Because that boy was... Just so messed up, it was pitiful. I, my heart was broken for him. It was the Lord's heart. Lord, heal people in this room today that are suffering in their mind. Every person in this room, Lord, we do, I just release your power. I release your power against depression, Lord. I release your power against mental breakdowns today, Lord. Uh, Lord, the Bible says men's hearts will fail them in the last time. I release your power against that. I release a strong mind and a healthy mind, a sober mind, a right mind into this room. A mind that can withstand, a mind that can stand, a mind that knows what to do. I release that. I just release that right now. You know, Titus 2, 11, 20, that God says the grace of God will empower and teach us to live righteous and holy and soberly. That word soberly is a sound, whole, healthy mind. Lord, release that in this room right now. Sound, whole, healthy mind. Oh, thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. All right, the last thing I wanted to say is the prophetic anointing is incredible. I'm talking about people gave me words. I have never had this happen. I'll tell you, good job laughing on the prophetic team. Good job, Marcy, Jackie. People gave me words. I've never had words where people said, this is what the Lord's going to do. And every one of them came true. Like, isn't that something? So I'm just saying, if you want a word... There's an anointing for prophecy here that's incredible in this church. Now, I realize that, wow, all this came true. I couldn't believe it. See, you know how you get words, yeah, that's awesome. I wish that would happen. Maybe it'll happen when I'm 58 or 59 or 60, you know, in a couple of years. Or maybe when I'm 80, I'm about to die. Finally, God will fulfill some prophetic words. <laughs> you ever thought that? Like, yeah, come on, Lord. Those words came, man. God is releasing a prophetic anointing on people right now. And I see the Lord doing this. He's saying, this is going to be the kind of prophecy that's not going to be tomorrow kind of stuff. This is coming in your life. That, the, yes, you know, that thing of waiting 50, 50 years or whatever. God's saying he's going to accelerate things. 
And He's going to bring fulfillment of words in your life. And He'll... All right, let me pray one time, one more time for minds. Hey, come over. Let's bring Josh up here. Can we do that? We're going to go after this. God is going to heal this baby. I'm not giving up. If he gets healed right now, it would just be a... We just happened to hit the jackpot today. <laughs> and we're going to just release your power. Hey, y'all come up here, anybody who wants to pray for Josh. And if you need to go home, you can go home. This is our ministry time right now. But we believe that God wants to re- fix him, make him right. And we will pray until God does. But how about today, Lord? Release your power on this baby boy, Lord. We love him. Let love come now. Come into his mind and fill his mind today with the thoughts of love and the thoughts of power in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just release your love. Love never ends. Love never fails. Love never fails, Lord. We're calling on something that don't fail. Power of God come right now. Heal, heal, heal. Make whole 100%. Make him a whole man. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. More of your Holy Spirit come. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Woo, yeah. Flood from heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Christ the healer, come now in this room and heal. Christ the healer, do miracles. Christ the healer. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for Josh. What a good-looking fellow he is. Oh, he's power. The Lord's going to use you, Josh. Yeah, the Lord's going to give you your speech. Lord, release that speech in Jesus' name. Everybody say this. Devil, go. go. Jesus, come. come. (laughs) Woo! We condemn you, devil. We condemn your works. uh, We're tired of your assault on Josh. And we're commanding, we're commanding all his physical things and mental things and biological things and chemical things in his body. We speak the kingdom into him and command them to be right and be whole in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. And there's no pressure on his family. Lord, we pray for John and Sue, Lord. We pray that grace and peace would be multiplied to these parents. Grace and peace would be multiplied to these parents, Father. As I was sitting back there, I saw both of your hands turn red. And, 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 and I heard the Lord say, fire. That he really wants you to know it's not by the words that you speak, but by the touch that you give, that his virtue is leaving you into Josh and to not stop not as as Byron said earlier not give up and I believe that's the Lord's heart uh, what he just said your your hands John and Sue is the main source of God's power for Josh and the Lord wants you to know that so I know this grace for John and Sue Grace, grace. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Let's thank the Lord. Let's tell the Lord, thank you for healing Josh. We thank the Lord for what he's going to do before he does it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So we better go home, though, because it's kind of getting late.